calling all my footy fans from all around the globe. Straight out of NYC, this is The Line Breaker. Hey, what's up? It's Line Breaker time here with Pano. What's your name? My name is Dimitri, a.k.a. Juicy. I just muted myself and then unmuted myself for a second. Uh, how are we, how we doing today, Dimitri? We're, we're back for another episode. How are you feeling? Feeling all right. Feeling all right? Did you like that I changed the intro? I did. I did. Something different, something new. Changing it up? Yep. We're, uh, we're talking to you right now. <clears throat> it is uh, it's international break. So we figured we'd, uh, we'd bring you a casual footy episode. Right now we are watching the U.S. men's national team. Uh, they're playing in their CONCACAF Nations League quarterfinal. And they are tied 0-0 to Trinidad and Tobago. And I think this is, this is good for our, over, our overarching theme of the episode. And that is how much we love international breaks. We love international breaks, right, Dimitri? Uh, false. I don't. Huge fans. Huge fans of them. No? No. Well, why don't you love international breaks? I don't know. I'm just a big, uh, big club soccer fan, and I feel like there's more, there's more imagination that goes into uh, club soccer, where you have players from different nationalities coming together, and it opens up the game to that um, sort of imagination, that flair that's added. Whereas, you know, you can have a good player from a smaller country that's not so good, and you know, doesn't perform to their um, to his max capacity because the team plays a different style or has to play defensively uh, against a uh, much larger team, uh, a bigger team or a team that's going to dominate possession. So I feel like it, it gives the club, club soccer gives great players, no matter where you're from, an opportunity to perform at the highest level. All right. And that's the end of our episode. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> um, no, look, I'm definitely in agreement there. I think the, um, what we're going to be talking about in this episode is just generally the the international breaks that we've we've dealt with. I think dealt with is a pretty good. Oh, would you say dealt with is a good way of putting it? We've we've been dealing with it at this point. I mean, it's it's you get into a little bit of a flow, you know, three weeks to almost a month of club soccer, and then you know. You're enjoying watching your team. You're getting into the rhythm. Okay, maybe the game. Maybe the game's Friday, but usually Saturday, Sunday. Maybe you get surprised with a Monday. But you know, every week like clockwork. If you have Champions League, great. You're playing twice a week. You're getting to watch your team twice a week, and then suddenly, boom! Once you start getting into that rhythm, international break. For most of the big nations, like their their games don't really mean like too much. Um, but you know, obviously, there there are plenty of international games that like are meaningful. Um, but like for the most part, if if you're a fan of club soccer and you enjoy club soccer the most, it just international breaks, they just come at it in convenience. And we're being hit with the last international break for a while, in fairness. I believe the next international break is until March after this, right? Because that would be the Nations League playoffs. I don't have that information off the back of my head. I think it's March. That's how much I love it. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's March. Um, but... <clears throat> At the end of the day, international breaks, I mean, look, if let's say you're following a team like, I don't know, like Barcelona, for instance, right? That's, that's you know, I don't know anyone who really supports Barcelona, but yeah, let's say that you support a team like Barcelona. 
obviously you're doing well in the Champions League. You're doing well in the Cups. Right? Barca's doing well in the Cups. Uh, oh, it's it. Dimitri, are you, you about to hold that sneeze? You, you can sneeze. Don't worry. Sneeze, sneeze. No, I'm good. You're, you're good? Okay, okay. Um, you're doing well in the Champions League, in the League, in the Cups. So you want that to continue. You're enjoying watching your team. And then you got players like Pedri. You got players like Araujo, who actually, Araujo is a good example of something that I'm going to bring up in a little bit. Um, did, did Rafinha get called up to the Brazil team? Um, I'm not quite sure. But regardless, you know, you have big, you have big name players who your club has spent a lot of money on. We're talking. But I may add before you go off, Araujo did score against Argentina today. He he did he did. Yes. But does it really matter if he's playing minutes in South America? You know, we're talking about like ten hour flights, maybe more, right? And then he has to make that flight back. And then isn't next week a Champions League week? Um, Something like that, or maybe not. Don't they play multiple games on this international break? Yeah, yeah, they do. They do. I mean, he did. He did play a high quality opponent. Oh, so it's a two week break, right? It might be a two week break. Um, yeah, it's a high quality opponent. Opponent that's even worse because that means that he's getting like actual meaningful minutes on his legs, put on his legs in South America, a grueling trip, very far. So that means like when he comes back. He's getting tired, and that's kind of a a key thing for me. I know that it's not just exclusive to guys like Araujo. I know, for instance, I know guys like Enzo and Caicedo at Chelsea. They've had some grueling matches in places like Bolivia in previous international breaks. And Bolivia, for, for those of you who don't know, has one of the highest altitudes, you know, like above sea level that you could play at. And just... It's it's tough for players in general there, but then you play a game there and then you come back to England again, a long, grueling flight. It's it's tough to kind of get back into the swing of things and it could really take a lot of, out on you. And honestly, you could kind of tell. I mean, it took Caicedo a couple games to get back into it and Enzo, who really has not stopped playing like for probably almost two years now because he went from the Argentinian League to Benfica to the World Cup to Chelsea. He really hasn't had a break um until this summer and even then I still think he seems like he's a little he's a little dead he it's it takes a toll on the players I mean there's there's already a lot of managers who have been talking about the overwhelming amount of games that have been piling up on these players and I think these international like breaks they just for on the club side they add on to players legs they tire them out and the big fear is you don't want players to get burnt out I mean Look, there's always a risk, right? There's always risk of getting burnt out. There's always a risk of players getting injuries on these long trips. And again, they're assets. Look, say, call it what you like. These players are assets to multi-billion dollar organizations. So, or, or multi-million dollar, if you really want to. But for clubs like Barcelona, we're really talking about billions. At And, you know... You want your asset to be as healthy as possible. You don't want there to be any risk with it. And sending them to a game in Argentina is a risk. I mean, do, do, do you see what I'm saying with that? Uh, I see what you're saying. I see where you're uh, going with it. And uh, in some cases, now that you made the point of, you know, their assets and they're going to play games, although it is for the national team, and I, I can respect, I respect players that represent their national team. 
and show that pride. But um, there was some news over the last 24, 48 hours of a player getting hurt during a friendly during this international break. And who might that be? Erling Holland picked up an ankle injury and was subbed off uh, around halftime or at halftime. Against who? Uh, I believe the Faroe Islands. And it was... The Faroe Islands. Not a qualifier. It was an international friendly. Now, I honestly, I think this is like the perfect example of what I've just been talking about, especially a game like this, because correct me if I'm wrong, it is highly unlikely that Norway qualifies for the Euros, right? Well, this wasn't even for a, a qualifier, but um, I, I do think that uh, it's not looking too well for them. They're sitting in third place with 10 points, six points behind second place Scotland, and then on top of that group is Spain with 18 points. So, yeah, they're, they're missing the, the top two cut. And, and at the same time, you just said that it was an international friendly, so it wasn't even, it wasn't even like a real match where it meant something. So the way that you're looking at it is like, he basically got hurt for like a nothing game against, okay, no offense to the Faroe Islands, but they're not a big club. They're not a game that you really need to be stressing about like going to. <clears throat> or like so why why even bother playing in that game yeah i feel like i feel like if you if you're the favorite which norway was uh probably going into that game i feel like you shouldn't be playing players that get consistent minutes or uh superstars in an international friendly game when you know these guys already have the wear and tear from their league games over the last uh, few weeks get a lot of minutes i think it should be for players that don't get much minutes for their club team or players coming back from injury to kind of ease back into the uh the game i don't think players that play consistently 90 minutes and are critical for their team should be playing um in international friendlies that are meaningless i feel like it should be for uh you know the second squad or players coming back from injury and players not getting minutes at their uh club team Erling Holland doesn't have to worry about getting minutes. Um, the only thing that he should be worried about with playing the Faroe Island is stat padding and getting a hat trick. But um, he's not Ronaldo, so he doesn't have to worry about you know stat padding against you know sub one hundred ranking teams. Um, I stand corrected, by the way. Norway cannot qualify out of their group. It is impossible. Um, they've already been eliminated from their group but they can still advance to the playoffs but i believe there's a few things that have to go their way right now for them to to actually get on nations league playoffs um i think a few things have to go their way so there's there's that um so it's not it's not definite you know that they're completely out of euro 2024 but they cannot qualify through their group. So it is it was essentially useless for Erling Holland to to play this game. I get it about, you know, I know that uh all jokes aside, when you said like, oh, who got injured? Obviously, like I know who got injured. Um, you heard uh Jan Agafyotov, who is the uh I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I think I did an okay job. He is the um 
the Norwegian journalist who he covers a lot about Holland. He's also a former Premier League player. Uh, he was actually a striker as well. Um, he said that Holland loves playing for his country and that, you know, he's prideful about it and he enjoys going there and playing. I get that. And I'm sure that these players want to play in these games. But also, again, talking about hundreds of millions of dollars worth of assets here. I mean, he is a massive asset to Manchester City, treble winning side, a side that you could argue could win the treble again this year. So, you know, it's... It's a huge deal. I think they still can win the treble, right? Because if you count the Carabao Cup or the FA, the FA Cup. Oh, the FA Cup hasn't happened yet, I think. Regardless. And it's a side that's already missing De Bruyne. Side that's already missing De Bruyne. You can't afford to lose players. So perfect example right there of, you know, losing players to stupid games that you didn't have to play. Um, I know the other side of that, of course is you know playing for your country being prideful about it especially in important games and i understand that but as club fans as i'm sure club coaches feel club coaches probably wish that there was no international breaks whatsoever yeah i i know that it goes both ways if you're a fan of norway you want erling holland to play um if you're a fan of uruguay you want araujo to be starting in defense Uh, i get that i get that so it's completely fair but just looking at it from a purely selfish standpoint of you know being club fans you probably don't want any of those players playing internationals and the other side of that is uh you know dimitri and i we uh we don't like internationals for for another reason we don't like the international breaks why don't we like international breaks our uh national team isn't so great and both of our international let, let's go with our uh, f- familial uh, international team. So Dimitri and I are both Greek and Cypriot. Um, so Greece and Cyprus, not having the best of times. Cyprus, obviously, is usually not good at all, usually terrible. Greece, they've been disappointing us for almost 10 years now. So, you know, it's it's never always happy for for international breaks for us because having to watch Greece is usually not very fun. Um, they haven't qualified for a tournament since 2014. Um, they could still potentially qualify for Euro 2024 via the playoffs, via the Nations League playoffs, but even that isn't a guarantee, even though they're probably the best team in Nations League C that's still left. Like on paper, at least, they're probably the best team. I still fully expect them to disappoint us. Um, so, you know, we're definitely not optimistic about that. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a complete circus. I mean, the, the Greek Football Federation is a circus, right? Yeah, absolute clown show. It's really bad. I mean, right now the current manager of the Greek national team is Gus Poyet, um, former Chelsea player. And he... Uh, He's done a decent job with the team. They're in the Nations League playoffs. Um, they don't have to worry about any of the strong teams because in Nations League C, Turkey wound up qualifying automatically for the Euro. So they've been removed from the Nations League playoffs. So Greece dodged having to play the strongest team in Nations League C. So they have a pretty easy pathway. But again, it's 
it's never going to be easy with a team like Greece because they always disappoint us. But the other side of it is Gus Poya, it's it's been such a weird managerial just tenure for him because he's been largely successful on the field, even though he's probably not called up a few players that he should have. He's been weirdly flirting with the Irish Football Federation, saying he would love to manage Ireland. Mind you, he spanked Ireland both games home and away in their Euro qualifying group. Like, as as a manager, how how can you be managing one team and then be talking about how you would love to manage the team of, of your opponents that you've played twice in your group, who you've beaten twice? Does, does that make any sense? Very odd situation. It's so weird. And and then he came out recently saying, oh, my assistant coach hasn't been paid. He was complaining about that. So, like, he's probably going to get fired before the, um, before the Nations League playoffs happen in March or in the springtime. It's either March or April, one of those. And it's just, it's beyond strange. I mean, the whole not getting paid part, if that's true or not, like, Okay, fair play. I can see him, you know, why him rightly being annoyed by that. But talking about another team, another federation and saying how you'd love to coach them and they're your opponents in your group, it's extremely strange. And it just kind of it it kind of comes together to show like just the absolute like clown show that a lot of these these like country federations are. It's different from clubs where, you know, everything is like for profit and you're making like millions and millions of dollars like although i mean i'm sure some of these corrupt organizations they figure out ways to launder money but it's it just it seems like nothing is professional nothing is taken seriously and this is from a country who like has always overperformed expectations but like in the last 10 years they've been nothing short of a disappointment um so it really dampens international experiences for Dimitri and I because we don't really have a strong nation to like support and there's not a lot of hope there just because of from top to bottom from the backroom staff to the coaching staff to you know the heads of the actual federation the whole thing like top to bottom is just it's a mess and it leaks onto the field and that's why it makes makes watching them you know not as fun um it's been better to watch them you know, I think that they've performed very well in their in their group with the Netherlands and France, and they arguably should have beat France, uh, if not for a dodgy penalty retake. They could have beat France. So they've performed well, but it's all the extra stuff that really, like, it dampens internationals for us. So, you know, I guess you could say that Dimitri and I are a little biased when it comes to uh, to liking internationals. And, you know, there's stuff like that. But, again, it also comes back to injuries for, for our club teams. I mean... Chelsea is a team that's been plagued by injuries, and the inter- international break is just another another opportunity for like stupid injuries like that. So it's definitely not something that's fun for me. Yeah, a lot of these. Uh, in addition, a lot of these interna- these international games during the international break are just like so boring because for the most part, you have these big like countries playing these small countries that you couldn't even name like three players on. You have Luxembourg and Liechtenstein in Portugal's group. Are you looking forward to seeing those games where Portugal plays them? Not really. You just there's 
the quality you know it's going to be one-way traffic the whole mm. game they're going to run up the score you know Ronaldo's trying to add to it's his not, international goal tally it's not it's not like interesting you don't really like see the upset happening so you're just you know why tune in if you're just if you know that one team's just going to slaughter the other team and then you say oh well what about like the nations league and how they have like the big games and a lot of these big teams are playing each other like realistically like who cares about who wins the Nations League? Do, like, do European countries actually care that they win the Nations League uh, in in the big European nations? Forget about um, forget about like D and C and maybe even B. But like, could you even tell? Like, do you know who won the last Nations League for A? I don't. I don't know who won the last Nations League for A. Um, was I, it then? Was it Germany? Was it the Netherlands? I feel like I remember seeing a final like that. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. I feel like it was like a Dutch German final, or maybe that was even the last one. You know, let me. I'll tell you right now. Was Croatia in the final? Did they win it? Oh, maybe that was it. Euro Nations League. Let's let's look this up right now. You know, just I love looking up the Euro Nations League. I'm just looking this up I casually. Could have sworn it was Croatia. Was like, it? Luka Modric got his international trophy. The current champions are Spain. Did they they beat Croatia? They might have beat Croatia. No. Yeah, they beat Croatia. Yes. Oh, I'm bugging. When did I see... I don't know what I was talking about with like the Netherlands and Portugal. That was That's a, how important the tournament is. Bro, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like I you I, I don't know who and then and then two years before that. It was France beat Spain, and then two years before that, it was Portugal beat the Netherlands. Like, I don't even. I, in fairness, I do remember the Spain Croatia thing now, but obviously, it's not that important in my brain. And like, these aren't real trophies that like people are, people are like actually. They're glorified friendlies. Yeah, and, and I know the Nations League is just one part of internationals, right? Like, that's not all of internationals, but like. There, there are international breaks for Nations League, and those are glorified friendlies, like we said. So, like, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I have less of an issue with Euro qualifying because at least, like, Euro qualifying is important. But even then, you know, you, you have England's group for Euro qualifying. You know, they've had, like, a joke of a group. Uh, England's group is as follows. I'm going to read this out to you. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're the club's, you're just like again it's like a risk you have england ukraine italy um yeah malta and you know that other country so yeah um <laughs> well you could Durham. also you could also look at the uh, portuguese group where they've played 9 games and have conceded twice and scored 34 goals so oh yeah that's another bad group yeah, too yeah you, you tell me how you're looking forward to those games and oof, Italy. I mean, I'm sure Italy hates international. Yeah, they, they're one of those big countries that have been struggling in recent years. I know you count their Euro too. They, they won the Euro 2020. Yeah, okay, whatever. I don't care about that. It was more like England choked that final. They but... missed. They missed consecutive uh, World Cups though. No. Yeah, they have. I think. Yeah, that's. Yeah, yeah, that's, they a, have. that's a bad look. Um, but yeah, so you have England who've scored 19 goals and conceded three goals in their group um let's see you have i'm trying to find another like completely wow greece really got 
Greece really got messed up with their group. I'm seeing some of these groups. Some of these groups are so weak. Yeah. Greece really got the short end of the stick. Greece is one of the most toughest groups. But yeah, that Portugal group looks crazy. And even then, Slovakia in second. I mean, uh, I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're just maybe we're just like salty Greek soccer fans, and that's what's happening right now. But yeah, this is a internationals, definitely, definitely grueling, definitely bad for the clubs. Think about it in internationals in uh in South America, not too many countries. So like. Conmebol qualifying is like the same countries playing each other over and over and over again. They all hate each other. <laughs> they they all hate each other. They try killing each other on the field. Like yellow cards, you're, it's guaranteed at least like five, six cards a game. And it's like, it's like war. Those games are actually like war. They're like battles. Every single game. So those there's no easy games in Comabol. It's like the opposite for them, and that really takes a toll on their body. So it's like, it's tough. Never mind like the African qualifies where like, yeah, you're gonna have easy games, but again, then you're gonna have tough games. They're tough physical games as well. So, you know, they're also sometimes playing on pitches that are not suitable for professionals to be playing on. Um, so all in all, you know, it's it's disappointing it's for the club fan international breaks are just are a bummer they're so definitely to me definitely a, a disservice to what i said earlier to uh big players on uh countries that don't have like a squad or a big big squad like i think uh lewandowski throughout his career you know he did he did make major tournaments but you know it's just not the same lewandowski as it is as uh, at the club level you have kvaradona as well I mean, even if Georgia were to qualify, they're not gonna. You don't expect them to make a deep run. Um, the only team that you could say like really assembled and was led <clears throat> deep into tournaments was that Croatia team by Luka Modric, which you wouldn't wouldn't really expect. But yeah, they 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 got everything together, and you know they they showed out for him. It really showed his quality because we all knew how good he was on the club level and then international level. The the two deep World Cup runs, the the Nations League final, just it just like showed how like much like how good he really really was. No matter who who he was like playing with, you could even say the same thing about this Norway team. Like you have Erling Holland, Odegaard. You have a step below with Martin Odegaard, and then you have like nothing else essentially. Um, yeah. There's like some interesting players here and there, but like nobody that's like on a world class level like Erling Holland is. So. It's it's tough, and I, and I guess now what we're getting into really is is the quality of internationals as well, right? Because obviously these guys aren't getting paid the same amount of money to pay for the, to play for their international teams, and some of them aren't getting getting paid at all. Um, you know, most countries you don't even get paid necessarily to play for your international teams. I think they get bonuses some countries, but you know you're not really necessarily getting paid. So. You know, obviously the quality of the footy of the footy like on show isn't going to be as high and again i know that that's easy for a neutral to say that right but it, it does come down to it at the end of the day world football it's entertainment correct me if i'm wrong it is entertainment that that's how it's being treated 
That is true. That is true. They're jam-packing games, not giving these players rest. So Yeah. So I, I think overall, you really look at internationals like being being negatives for a few things, a few reasons, really, a few themes that we've kind of hit upon. And that's the fact that, one, it just means that we can't watch club for a little bit, so it's a break from clubs. Two, it's an injury risk for players. And that kind of also goes hand in hand with the fact that these players are already playing way too much to begin with. You know, you're adding crazy tours, international tours for the summers and doing all this other crazy stuff. Um, you know, and, and you're seeing injuries then become more frequent because these guys are playing nonstop and they're not getting breaks and their bodies are breaking down. And then the other side of it is also, of course, just the quality on show of these internationals because either the games are lower quality because they're playing in countries that don't have proper infrastructure for fo- for football or they're playing in countries that just don't have strong enough teams and then just the quality of the football on show is just lower. Or, again, you got players who are world-class who come from countries that, you know, maybe the, the rest of the players on the team are not up to par. And again, that's nobody's fault. There's no one's fault for being born in a country where, you know, they're, the, the rest of the team isn't that great and they still should feel pride for playing for their nation. But just purely from a fan perspective, unless you're a fan of that country, it's not necessarily fun for you. Like, nobody likes seeing Robert Lewandowski, you know, not be able to make it deep into the World Cup, you know, because the rest of his team just isn't good enough. Nobody wants to see that. Um, Will the Polish fans obviously support their team until the end? Of course, and they should. But for a neutral who just wants to see Robert Lewandowski do what he does best, and that's, you know, win trophies, score goals, he can't necessarily do that as easily on a team like Poland. So, overall, we just don't like internationals, right? Yeah, not, not a fan at all. Not a fan at all, yeah. And, you know, maybe if Greece is better, maybe we'd have a different tone. I don't know. But uh, I think even when Greece was, was performing, I think it was still... Is that a handball? That looked like a handball, right? The U.S. is still tied, by the way. It's still 0-0, speaking of disappointing teams. But, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my... The U.S. is going to be a great Whoa. footballing nation soon. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with that. I'm going to go with that, um, you know. I'm going to talk about that in another episode and how the u.s is very underrated um and the talent pool is only increasing and as i say that they have just won a penalty against trinidad so is there var in this there probably is var it, is this a penalty I yeah i think it was oh it's our boy weston mckinney <laughs> weston mckinney <laughs> if you don't get that reference you should look up vlahovic and mckinney somewhere there's a video of it uh yeah wow our boy who i was just bad mouthing before conceded that penalty but you see look that's where that's where he's good in the box he won he won the penalty didn't concede it yeah he won the penalty okay yeah, yeah that's what i mean but you, you see that's where he's in the box he's he's the american scott mctominay <laughs> he's he's the i think he's from dallas he's from the fc dallas academy he's he's the uh he's the dallas fort worth area mctominay <laughs> he's um he's mcfelaney Oh, McKenney and McTominay. Why is he looking at it? Why is he looking at this? I don't know. That looked clear. What is the check? What is the check for? He went through him. He rolled his ankle? Did he not touch him? And but then he went through him. No, but he still went through him though. That should still be a penalty. Um 
we, you guys have to stay on on for this one. We have to see. Will the U.S. be robbed of a penalty right now? Playing against a ten-man Trinidad team. This is a uh, this is a good time to point out that uh, the U.S. is a lot more fun to watch right now than Greece is, and that that pains me as someone who's very proud of being Greek. Um, but also, you know, of course, we're American too. We we did have some fun in the World Cup. Dimitri, we had a great time watching the World Cup. I actually had a very gr- like amazing time watching the World Cup. This was actually, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna circle around here. Basically, we're gonna do a little 180, and we're gonna talk about why we also love internationals. Why not, right? This is this is a good opportunity. The World Cup was amazing. So, I mean, just. I, I know people complained about being in the winter. That kind of sucked for a lot of people. But for Dimitri and I, it was great because that meant no excuse to be out. No excuse to be outside. There's no reason we don't have to enjoy anything else. We could just be watching soccer. You know, we went to cool places to watch soccer because you know, obviously, being in New York City, you know, you could you could go to a lot of cool like sports bars and stuff and really watch some like great games. So, what is he gonna call? What is he calling? Is that a drop ball? You you can't be serious. Wow. That was a terrible call. That was a bad call. That was such a bad call. Anyway, that that's a terrible call. Um I don't even I I don't know what to say. That was a terrible call. Um yeah, Dimitri and I we had a an amazing time watching the games. I actually even had the opportunity to watch the final in Florida. And that was cool. That was really cool. Um, and yeah, just like the whole vibes, like despite I'm not going to go into, you know, Qatar, how they won the actual, you know, bid and all the other stuff that goes into it, just purely from watching the games. Dimitri and I thoroughly enjoyed the World Cup and major tournaments like that should be treated, you know, as such. They're they're sacred. They're even if maybe you could argue again that the quality of the football is not up to par of club it's still you know the for most players you could say that you know world cup is one of the is the greatest thing that you can win so you know tournaments like the world cup like the euros you know dimitri and i love watching um so so yeah i mean what what was the highlight of yours from the world cup don't tell me Messi winning the world cup give me like a, that that was a real highlight though that I, was, I guess that was that the is best real, highlight it put like, the nail in the coffin in the goat debate um <clears throat> but yeah major tournaments are great because <clears throat> Even even the lower level countries that qualify are still very competitive, so there's not like as much of a um, gap, and uh, all the all the games are very exciting. Pretty much, you can have huge upsets, which you know turns the whole group tournament uh, tie on its head. Nobody was really expecting a Morocco deep run in the last World Cup, which was actually <clears throat> very exciting, and. Uh, you know, it was just uh, something nobody expected, which made it even more uh, glorified. I guess they had huge upsets along the way. Uh, they beat Portugal in the in the group or in the knockout stage. Um, hmm. I, I think it was a knockout game, was it not? <clears throat> but yeah, yeah. So you have these huge upsets and. You really, you really see the passion come out of the players because now they're like. Yeah, it was the knockout stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now they're, now they're on like the brightest, the the biggest stage under the brightest lights, and, uh, you know, even these smaller countries they find a way to win because it's it's all or nothing at this point. So it was it was nice to see. 
Yeah, and it was hugely entertaining. There was lots of storylines. Um, it seemed like the players enjoyed it there. From from what I hear, you know, again, all the other stuff aside, the extra stuff that, of course, is important for obvious reasons, it seems like the players enjoyed being in Qatar. Um, and, you know, it was just overall, it was, it was a great tournament. Um, it wasn't probably a great tournament if, if you were a Ronaldo fan, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, it was it was a great tournament, and at the end of the day, as fans, we love seeing you know the most the most prestigious international tournament. We love being able to watch that. So, tournaments like that, the Euros, the World Cup, well, uh, you know, we we always appreciate those. I would say, what would be my highlight from this World Cup? I'm trying to think. Hmm. I guess I could say Argentina winning is a highlight too. I I, I could call it that. Or, you know what, the most exciting thing for me of, of all of them, and I'll, and I'll use the from the final, was that Emmy Martinez save. I'm not going to lie, you know me, I was big on Argentina winning that final. And when Colomuani was through on goal and had that shot, I thought it was done. Oh, that, that World Cup final was one of the greatest games. Back and that, forth. That was insane. Plenty of goals, suspense. It, was, it, had, it had it all in that game. Two, the best players on each team, you know, going off against each other. It was like a gunsling. It was yeah. it was actually a gunsling. It, it was actually like, I guess you could say it was kind of a snooze fest. Not like really a snooze fest, but pretty boring, one-sided, the first like 70 minutes. And then that Mbappe goal like really opened it up and extra time was thrilling. Like the last 20 minutes of uh, the, the 90 was thrilling. Extra time was thrilling. Penalties was like you know your heart beating through your chest it was it was great it was a great final i genuinely think that like time stood still when when that kolomani chance happened i'm telling like i i really thought it was done and then just like you know up being up to and i remember texting you and i was like oh this game is done and then they tie it up and then i'm thinking oh this is not looking good anymore and then just everything that happens there on out it was i, I thought it was going to be a cruise at two nothing I thought it was. I thought Argentina was in cruise control, and then they just went into their like crazy chaotic footy that they do, and just like let France back in, and Bappe going crazy. They did that um several times in the tournament. No, they did it against the Netherlands. They too. did, yeah, they did. Yeah, so you you had you had that storyline, like I mentioned, you had the upset of uh, Portugal with Morocco. Another huge upset that was really exciting was Croatia upsetting the favorites Brazil. Nobody kind of people were kind of blindsided by that. The Na- I thought when Neymar scored that uh, goal that he took it from was it like a third of the field or uh, from the half dribbled past the whole Croatia defense. Yeah, scored. I thought I thought it was clipped, and then Croatia ties it and then forces the shootout and they they win. We also we got to see the uh, the USA England game together, and that was like a pretty cool atmosphere. And even though the game was, I guess you could say the game was a snooze fest, like. On the day, the U.S. probably outplayed England. Like, they probably deserved to get a win. So, watching the U.S. in this, despite the fact that I'm massively anti-Greg Berhalter, um, and I think that he brings the team down, um, it was still fun seeing the U.S. play. Um, so, that was that was fun as a U.S. fan, being able to, like, see the team, like, you know, perform at a higher level, even though I still think that the talent on on show probably meant that they underperformed. Um, so yeah, all in all, that's I, I guess since we just spent like 30 minutes like trash talking international breaks, we should also kind of talk about how we also like international sometimes. 
Um, so, yeah, you know, Nations League and friendlies and qualifying, not as fun on. But once we get to the actual nitty-gritty of the tournament, that's when we're locked in. That's when we're ready to go. Um, you also have the Euros coming up this, this uh, you know, this summer. So we have Euro 2024 in Germany to look forward to. You know, before we go, you want to you wanna give me some early predictions for uh, for who you think is going to win it? Oh, man. Still, still very early to tell. That's why this is the way too early predictions. Germany's hosting. I mean, Germany hosting is a huge plus for them. It's coming home. It's coming home. Coming home to... Not to Rome. Germany? No, it's it's coming home. Oh, Football is home. coming home. I don't think so. Football is coming home. All right. Well, I'm gonna say my safest, my safest pick because I think this this team is legit, unbelievable. Oh, I know what it, you're gonna say. Proven it on uh, a few That's major boring. tournaments already. France, but I'll have Germany as a second since they're hosting. No way. No way. Yep. No. I'm not gonna doubt that German spirit. Who do you who who's your who do you think's winning? Who's your top two? England. Oh, every tournament, England. And France. Oh, yeah, my picks are boring. Every tournament, England, England, England. They should have won the last one. Oh, shoulda, coulda, woulda. They should have. Gareth Southgate is just, you know, he's not it. That's why. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> he's another one. He's he's the British Greg Burhalter. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of the Brit of Greg Berhalter, these bums are about to lose to Trinidad and Tobago right now. That's to no disrespect to Trinidad and Tobago, but you know, the US has a stronger squad. Uh but yeah, because of Greg Berhalter. Berhalter ball. Um Yeah. So so yeah, I'm going with England. Um we wanted to end on a more positive note there since we were basically trash talking internationals for like most of the episode. But um, but yeah, you know, we don't want to get too into the Euros and stuff because, oh, we're going to be going in on the Euros once that comes around. And that's coming around sooner rather than later. Um, But until next time, you know, this was our little uh, little casual footy talk about international breaks. Uh, my name is Pano. I'm Dimitri, a.k.a. Juicy. This was the Linebreaker, and we're out of here.